Two, three. That was pretty good. This might be the best one. This is a proper start to 2019. The proper start to 2019. Yep. So today we're discussing the results of the 2018, uh, the key things that the worst things and the best things, and the things that also inspired us and encouraged us in 2019. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and, we have and, a list, but I, I don't think we decided if there is any hierarchy. There's, there's no list, and I think uh, what we found <laughs> when we wrote this down is that also the whole like best and worst is kind of a weird idea, and most things mm -hmm. are kind of ambivalent uh, and multifaceted. So um, there's no like top five and bottom five. It's just <laughs> just as common. There is no tops and bottoms yeah. on this list. If, if, <laughs> If you if you want to get more order and clarity out of the universe out of this list, then uh, you gotta go somewhere else. Lore and order cannot be found on this podcast. No. Never. Okay, let's start with the worst then, and go one by one. Yes. And we can go. You go for the. You go. Then I go. Then I, you go. Then I go. So you go. Wait, wait, wait! I actually need to look it up. <laughs> uh, uh, I can just say. So it's neither bad or good. It's just uh, mm -hmm. something. Here's something that I saw on your list as well. Perhaps this is a good starting point. Let's do it. The plastic straw ban 2018. Yes. Um, my first reaction to it, I remember, was like, that is pathetic. So th ah. so I wanted to put it, re if there was a bad worst list, I my first re uh, impulse was to put it on that. <laughs> Um, because <laughs> I always thought when I heard about it, it was I, it felt like um, it felt like a feel good type of uh, policy where there are really deep structural problems that we need to address um, that are probably also going to be somewhat uncomfortable for people. Mm -hmm. um, but instead, what we're doing is we're just banning plastic straws and some mm -hmm. uh, one way packaging. Um, and which really in on the bottom line is almost no effect right like it's mm -hmm. i mean it's good that we ban it but that's not enough we know that uh but then at the same time i feel like it does kind of mirror it, it shows that there's that the the kind of awareness that you feel when you talk mm -hmm. to a good amount of people um, is now slowly starting to translate into political action, which is mm -hmm. good. The, the fact that this first step is kind of like minuscule in comparison to the to the grandiosity of the challenge in front of us uh, kind of is also an interesting thing of seeing that it's almost like they're really trying, but they, they're not able to actually <laughs> to make it work, uh, to, to really respond to, to the request of the people. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is a start. And if you look at the, the roadmap um, of 2019, there are a lot of um, actually far more deep cutting um, bans and reforms on the way. So um, after I read about mostly the, the plans that are coming, um, I, I felt a lot better, actually. And perhaps this is a way of preparing also the people mm -hmm. that are not on board yet to kind of get uh, get going 
our, I don't know, green evolution. Yeah, it's a small step for a human and a giant leap for humankind. Yeah, or the other way around in this case. It's a small step for humankind, but a really big step for some people. Yes, that. oh, that, I, I like this even more. I think it's true. Um, I remember seeing images of um, sea animals uh, caught in straws uh, as a justification here in Seattle. Uh, here it's especially important because Starbucks is based here. And there was a lot of conversation how they will redesign their packaging. And there was a lot of consternation because the way Starbucks redesigned their packaging is their leads now use more plastic than before. Uh, and I feel the plastic straw ban is important. We need to do more of those. But it starts raising a big question of the world is changing, the environment is in danger, and we need to start making drastic measures right away. And then how do we draw lines between what people, some people expect as a basic uh, part of their daily lives versus something that's really damaging the planet? Yeah. Uh, and I think like the the yellow vest protests in France is a little bit about this. Maybe it's coming also from the position of power, like you people, you rich people impose taxes on us. But the the, the question stands. Um, this year I was reading a little bit about like, what does it mean to live in a republic? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel uh, that meaning that people are required to equally contribute to the well-being of each other is kind of being lost a little bit these days because people expect that they can reap all of the benefits and they can sustain the lifestyles they have and the, the, the lifestyles they leave without and the government cannot impose any regulations on them. Um, like the idea of, of the society as a conversation, I feel is, is has been lost in the past couple of years. And I feel environment requires us to start that conversation again, because it's really about us coming together and defining how we want to survive. Uh, I like that. It's interesting that you would say it like this. We had um, at New Year's the um, um, president of Germany. So not the chancellor, mm -hmm. but kind mm -hmm. of the... The president is almost like like royalty like they don't really have any power but then they used to and so it's kind of a, a role that that we have in germany like this um and uh so the president of germany um he in his new year address was um actually talking about how people need to uh be conscious about staying in the conversation with their uh, fellow people mm -hmm. um and that he actually said exactly that that it's like a republic is a is um is built on conversations um conversation mm -hmm. between people of different groups and uh and uh he felt that um that um all a lot of discussions are poisoned um and kind of like kind of too radicalized in weird ways mm -hmm. um and we often forget, especially when it's on the internet, that there's a person on the other side and not just uh, some, well, some troll, I guess, which uh, yeah. weirdly enough is the same thing sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but it was kind of, when, especially when he talked about the internet, he's like 74, I think. Um, it was mm. kind of cute because he, <laughs> he, he holds all the right values, but... Um, he doesn't really understand the internet, I think. Um, but he, I thought it was interesting, nevertheless. 
That is cool. Uh, next, my list. Uh, I have an absolute worst. Republican Party and Fox News. Mm. Uh, I feel they lost all of the moral credibility to have any opinion on anything whatsoever. And this bunch of uh, ignorant, self-centered people should go away from the face of this uh, political entity called the United States as soon as possible. Um, it reminds me very much of Russia, and um, it reminds me of how radical memes uh, catch up. So essentially, there is a somewhat healthy society living on, and then one group decides to push this weird idea. And this idea has no merit, but because they're always investing in it, and they're always talking about it, and they're on every TV channel, and they control some of the TV stations, that stupid idea starts catching on. And then, because uh, this is the gravity of the ideas, the bigger, the more people talk about it, the more it feels real, and while it might not have any connection to reality, more and more people start believing in it. And I think the Republican Party and this president, alongside with Fox News, this trio of the worst things uh, that this country has seen in a long while, invented in the past year what they've invented is just mm. uh phenomenally horrible like a pretense immigration crisis a pretense healthcare reform a pretense tech reform a laxing of environmental laws a di complete disregard to female rights um and just and then and they all packaged it in a way that their core constituents felt that as if they've been heard and as if they've been protected. Well, uh, if anything shows they're poorer off than they were than they ever were. So I feel if anything in the next years, the most important thing for us as a society to work is how we work with these destructive memes and how we fight against them. Uh, there is no one today, except from the people who say that Republican Party is bad and they lost all authority. Uh, to really kind of govern this or rule this. Mm -hmm. But as the ways of manipulating our opinion become ever more sophisticated, we need to kind of develop ways to uh, fight against uh, miasmas like this. Yeah, I, I do agree uh, with that. That's, uh, that. that is absolutely the worst phenomena I've seen in a while. Um, and I, I've been reading kind of on the side, now that everybody read it, I feel like I can read it too. The, the, um, <laughs> I forgot the name of the author again, um, but the book is called *Sapiens*. It's the, the oh yeah, the one before *Homo Deus*. So it's like about. Mm -hmm. So I think the subtitle is *A Brief History of hum uh, of Mankind* or *Humankind* or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and um, there's one part where I actually had to think about Fox News uh, in the book really early on. Um, the author talks about how um, uh, believing in common uh, myths. Um, uh, and myths don't have to be gods, but they can be shared values and um, kind of, yeah, like what we today would call, mm -hmm. I guess, uh, human rights and political systems and capitalism and all of, like the orders um, uh, that we have today are myths as well. And he kind of says that that's what really allowed people to, to cooperate in groups larger than like 20 right because mm -hmm. before that you can just kind of operate by knowing each other um and that's also like you can see this uh, similar things in corporate environments right like if you're a really small team you just know each other um and that's enough to kind of move forward um but then in in bigger groups you need common things that you 
kind of believe in together. Uh, and uh, what I think Fox News, and not just Fox News to be fair, like Infowars and all, like the whole mm-hmm. part that comes with them, uh, kind of does incredibly well right now is kind of disassembling any common truth that people used to believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, starting with, like, or like all the, going all the way down even to like actual facts, um, mm-hmm. which is crazy that like, that we actually like, that we don't even know if you just watch CNN and Fox News, you don't even know what is real anymore, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and on top of that, they kind of spin these uh, stories that kind of propose different uh, like values that um, are are kind of built on on just wrong ideas really pretty mm-hmm. much like things that we know don't work um mm-hmm. and uh that that seems pretty dangerous to me overall um i agree i agree common myths is a good term we have them on the left and on the right yeah uh, of course of course it's kind of i like, think if anything we need to kind of keep defining them and keep building agreement on common myths and i mean to some degree, we it's also important to have different ideas and different mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, things that you believe in, but there needs to be a, kind of a base that everybody can come together and kind of be be yes. one people, right? Like be a republic, be whatever, and that that base is not given right now. I feel like, and, and uh, it's not even. I mean, they, they are kind of the ones, like Fox News is, are kind of the ones that are riding that wave, but um, they couldn't create that movement on their own, I believe, right? Like there's, hmm. there's a deeper thing that lies underneath um, that they are kind of exploiting for um, to get more audience. and um, Yes. So I feel like that's the good news in this, I feel. It's like you don't have to fight Fox News. You just have to fight... Uh, kind of what causes correct to, uh, to have that uh, type of reach correct the the their manifestation yeah. not the actual problem yeah that's true okay your turn my turn uh, let me look uh, something up what do I have um, let's uh, do um, let's do also a really bad one something where I just thought holy shit this is this is the worst thing I've seen in a long time, which is mm. um, the aftermath of um, kind of the two biggest um, tech fiascos in the last year, which is Facebook and Uber. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and especially how they dealt with the kind of public relations that they wanted to clearly to repair. Um, uh, so So after Facebook had all these kind of the series of events that um, made clear to the public where their values actually lie, and same with Uber. Um, they, they had all these um, marketing campaigns that were, I, I forgot the actual titles, I saw the pictures, but they were basically right out of the playbook from um, kind of tobacco companies in the, <laughs> yes. in the 80s when, when uh, it became clear that uh, smoking causes cancer. Um, and they're basically just basically posters from facebook literally saying we are not evil 
that's that's just amazing and that combined with the surprising i mean they, they did take a, a dive but the surprising value in the stock market of these companies um mm-hmm. is is amazing to me that that was i think one of the worst things um but at the same time also i felt for a long time there was always this kind of hyper positivism about tech companies right like that yes they, that they do good um and then just because it's tech it's good and uh, we've been past that for a while already but this was kind of the final coffin in the nail of that i think mm-hmm. um so that was i guess that was the only good part about that to see <laughs> yeah see that but but still holy shit whoever whoever ran those campaigns needs to um i don't i don't even know what what should should they get fired or should they stay exactly where they are probably stay where they are this is this is a good (laughs) (laughs) i also like the way these companies respond to any challenges that they usually appoint a harbinger or they appoint not a harbinger like they appoint a person who is responsible for it all and so facebook is trying to put the blame on sheryl sandberg saying oh she was the operating officer and kind of she disregarded this and there was a ton of articles which of course they leaked to the press saying like how she was there and uber tried to put everything on uh travis kalachik kalanik i'm sorry i'm very yeah. bad but the the idea is like oh there is one person it's just all because of them the rest of us are great and good and we are want to do the, this is i think this uh, ludicrous concept which i'm also very hateful um towards i think with facebook and uber what i've seen uh, really well is when companies, when large company or large entity of people faces an um, kind of an existential threat, they cannot really come together and solve it. Um, it just doesn't work. It, it drags on and on. And the only way they've been trying to solve it is just by changing the conversation. So Uber got a new CEO, which likely Facebook will get a new COO. And this new person will just outline a couple of initiatives and that's all um but i'm very skeptical how profound and truthful the change is um after all the business model requires people either to click on the ads or to disregard uh basic um humanity of the drivers and the people who work in the company uh, to deliver the services they do it's a little bit like the Nazi party, I feel, in a way that, like, you, it's not that you go in and you start saying, well, this is good, this is good, but uh, change the uniforms and no more of this flag. Uh, it's kind of, you need to go through every single process and then re- rebuild quite often from scratch. <laughs> and it's not what will happen. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. That's, that's not how capitalism mm-hmm. is set up. Usually there are other companies taking you over for that. But capitalism is always evolving. I feel like that's what public would have rewarded Facebook for, but we'll see. Okay, my next is Star Wars franchise is at at its worst. So I Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel uh as I was growing up, uh Star Wars for me was this um beautiful children's uh, story uh, which I enjoyed going back to and I'm not sure what's happening with Disney uh, but every single movie that came out from them on the new Star Wars is just like a menacing uh, grab for people's money 
uh, and trying to attract as many new audiences as possible while either recycling existing uh, stories or not really contributing much to the existing universe. The key question I have, has Hollywood lost a hold on what it means to create a nice story and get people engaged and interested? Or is it just like too many people making decisions on how one robot should move across the screen and what kind of problems they should be solving? The franchise is at its worst mm. ever. And I think it's a good sign that uh, Disney decided to kind of pause development of some of the movies and like extend them slightly longer. Because I felt, I already felt it was a torture to go in December to the movies and watch every year a new Star Wars film. Yeah, that's that's pretty horrible. I felt like that actually happened since Disney just took over Lucasfilms, mm-hmm. right? Like the first one was still okay, mm-hmm. but but you could already kind of tell, okay, this is just like regurgitating yes. existing, almost literally um, existing movies, and then um, it didn't really get better from there. No. Right? Um, and uh, they started selling the rights to Star Wars to anything that would pay. Um, which in some ways is good. You have like Star Wars Lego figures. Lego is good. Um, that's pretty good. But then um, in other ways, it's also just just horrible. Like just like it kind of Star Wars also lived off the fact that it was kind of just the movies and not just not all of this other stuff around. They just tried to mm-hmm. focus um, the energy that they have, and now it's just a money bag that they're trying to squeeze the last bit out of um everyone especially especially with like that's i think the worst part i thought at the beginning the way that they set up this um uh kind of well money i don't even know what what to call this Um, (laughs) like well the whole enterprise the way that they wanted to set it up i thought was like they have the big hollywood like blockbuster on december and then they have kind indie. of a more yeah. experimental um indie version which i really liked as a setup because i understand they want to make as much money as they can out of it but it felt like they actually kind of gave a nod to actual um like aficionados and people who really love star mm-hmm. wars for what it is and want to kind of see it being expanded with new voices and kind of new creativity um but those are even worse like the 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 first one was still okay. What was it called? The, um, um, uh, oh damn, the the one uh, where they where they try with, with Darth Vader at the end. Which one was? Oh the, jeez, uh, uh, one Rogue One, no? Yes, Rogue One exactly. Rogue One I thought was still like I could I could kind of see that they tried to do something different there a little. Um, but then from there on, it just became horrible. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, sad to see. And also I was, we were rewatching the, um, episodes one to three during the holidays this year. And I realized like, as many people hate them, I really love the episodes one to three because it's really a story of how my president came to power. And it's a really nice political uh, piece with a thought idea of how a, a, like a good-for-all enterprise can be subdued by a single person and turned into a monstrous machine, which I felt very topical. None of the new movies have any uh, connection to politics or even larger ideas beyond showing a pretty person on the screen. 
On the positive yeah. note, my friend introduced me to Darth Wade comic books. Uh, and actually, the funny thing, what, what Disney did is that by the time they bought Lucasfilm, there's been already a huge number of comic books on Star Wars with very developed uh, stories. And many people invested in them and bought them. And the moment Disney acquired Lucasfilms, they said, well, all of these stories are no longer a part of the canon. It's all make-believe. Now we are introducing a new canon, which I feel is just, just, I love capitalism. Damn. Love capitalism. And, uh, and one of those parts was Darth Vader comic book. And actually, I really loved it. And the books were far better than the movies. And I was texting him and saying, I feel like the material in the comic books is much more engaging and just funnier and just reminds me more of this. Okay, your turn. Yeah. Yes, um, we'll stay with entertainment. Great. Um, and we'll talk about the uh, rescue of the Indonesian soccer team um, out of <laughs> out of that Great. cage, which um, wouldn't strike you as okay. Yeah, I'm first. curious, but um, but um, I thought that was possibly one of the most amazing <laughs> things that happened. Um, mostly, I mean, it, and it's only really possible to talk about this because they were rescued yes. at the end, right? There was one diver that died, but apart from that, um, it it actually uh, worked out pretty well. Um, but um, I don't know. Do you still remember what happened? Uh, Elon Musk um, was saying that the piece. coach of the team was a pedophile. <laughs> yes, that's, that's mostly that's mostly what happened exactly. Um, but he so basically these these um, this football team was um, kind of. Um, exploring these um these uh, cages in caves. indonesia and uh mm -hmm. caves yes not cages cave. well they might. <laughs> we never know but <laughs> they might not have shown um, us but actually yes caves um and uh once and and apparently it's i think it started raining really mm. badly so the the caves flooded and they were kind of trapped in one mm -hmm. of those uh chambers and it wouldn't stop raining so it became clear they need to get them out of there Well, otherwise the water would rise too high and they mm. would most most likely die. And so it was kind of like an Ocean's Eleven or Avengers <laughs> moment where they like tried to gather the best um, people from the world, uh, the best divers <laughs> from uh, from all over the world. Actually, yeah, and, like they they made this camp and they started talking about strategies how to like first of all find them and then once they found them, they realized it's really hard to get them out of there. So how do you get them out of there? But um, whoever assembled the Avengers forgot to invite Tony Stark, <laughs> um, which is Elon Musk um, in, in the real world. So he kind of came in from the side and uh, kind of said, you know what, guys? We shouldn't have pedophile drivers um, uh, die for, for these kids. We should uh, just let me build a little submarine and get them out of there. Uh, which I mean, that's that's already amazing in yes. itself. I thought, um, but then everybody was just like, "Yeah, yeah, Elon, that sounds great." Uh, the whole thing obviously got way more attention yeah. than it should. Uh, but Elon, but Elon kind of had his moment there. Um, I forgot when he started calling people pedophiles, but that was more. I recently, think after I think. so he designed the submarine, and I think the person responsible for the rescue said that the submarine cannot fit into the tunnels of the caves, and it's like useless. And then because Elon Musk felt offended, he said, start, start saying that this person is a pedophile. 
which is, which course, is which is what do you do a, every time when someone offends you <laughs> it's true it's true it's a uh, part one of the uh of the also just negotiation yeah exactly uh, i i believe book. that's what what's what's it's happening pretty <laughs> it's pretty normal and then so but then magically yes. right they get them out of there um and they like uh and there's this one diver that tragically oh, dies yes. um while trying to like find the way but they like they teach these kids kind of how to dive they also like they i think they even like um give them give them something to kind of calm them down so they actually get them through the um through the hardest mm. parts of this um pretty tough dive apparently um so they won't panic basically um and then uh and then that that's kind of that right but then the problem was the whole world was still looking at these kids yes. and the kids that is a pretty traumatic experience for them right um like they were trapped in the cave, mm-hmm. the cave they could have died um and so all the psychologists um were saying like just let them leave them alone now this is this is a, a pretty harsh experience as mm-hmm. it is so let let these kids just be and um until i saw a, a, a document like a kind of 2018 in review video i thought that's what okay. happened they just left the kids alone but actually they are now kind of um local like in indonesia they're kind of local stars okay um and i saw and this is the best thing ever there was a kind of shopping mall that was opened and into the into the shopping mall they built a replica of the cave <laughs> that these kids were trapped in <laughs> and they opened them the the shopping mall by having the kids climb out of the cave <laughs> with a big scissor and cutting the ribbon <laughs> That is just the best thing that humanity did 2018, uh, I think. That's just beautiful. Uh, <laughs> teacher, leave the kids alone. Oh, wow. That is beautiful. Yeah. I like that the story ended on, a, on a very positively for these, for these kids. Wow. <laughs> okay, my turn. In connection to this, uh, I dubbed a couple of groups onto this. I call it the New Civil Rights Movement. And that's definitely the Parkland mm-hmm. survivors. So also kids, survivors of the mass shooting in America. Uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, uh, who is um, a new part of the Congress. And uh, Ruth uh, Beth Ginsburg, uh, who is a Supreme... Be- Ruth Bader, hmm? right? Ruth Bader? I think I thought it was Beth. Ruth Beth. I always like, is it RBG yeah. or is it RGB? Because RGB is more, is more familiar to me. And, I, and I, I recently saw a movie about her and also some of her friends were like, is it RGB or is it RBG? And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> so I feel like this um, three very separate phenomena. So Parkland survivors, young kids who survived during the Parkland uh, school shooting in Florida, they, uh, right after the shooting, they came across with a very brave political proposition of banning uh, firearms um, in the United States, which kind of makes all of the sense in the developed world, but not in the developing countries like here. And um, what they've been really good at, they were very vocal. They had a, a clear point of view. They were very articulate. They came they themselves came from different backgrounds and they turned their traumatic experiences into a political advocacy campaign, which I think was really, which which I felt was very strong. And I cried a lot. I resonated a lot. And I feel it is, it's quite tragic that in America, it's up to kids to defend themselves. 
because the Republican Party, Fox News, and the president uh, don't want to do this. And uh, but I also was very enthusiastic um, by that fact is that it's still possible in this country to uh, l kind of lend your message and build a story about something very positive. So this is a young group, and I really like that this is like our younger generation, Gen Z, already taking the, the political fight. The millennials with Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who won the, I think she's representing Brock, Bronx in the U.S. Congress, which I think is amazing about what is amazing about her. She is an articulate person, and she is a strong believer in her position, and she just builds alliances really well. And she is now the new face of the Democratic Party, which is easy and easily crushes all of the opponents that are kind to make up this weird stuff about her, like, oh, you cannot trust her, she is a good dancer. <laughs> or, <laughs> or she's proposing increasing attacks on wealthy, similar to how it was in the 1970s. She's crazy. Um, like, trying to position her as radical, but she's amazing, and I hope she's the next president of this country. What's amazing about her, I feel, is the position, is the articulateness of her uh, beliefs, her story that she was a, a waiter and then she kind of wanted to represent the people. And then she's also, I think, representing a new generation of politics because what she's doing, she's very active, not just on Twitter, but she's streaming her day-to-day -day, uh, work uh, and the discussions. And I think it kind of creates a new energy in people to run for the office and really reinvent what politics is. And finally, Ruth Beth, is it Beth, Beth or Beta? Beta. Bader. Ruth Beta. Beta. Uh, Ginsburg. This is like a completely different generation of politicians and like really going into career to fight the for women's rights, uh, and I feel it's, it was the 60s when she started doing this, and I just watched a couple of movies about her, and I was blown away by the story that's really kind of American women have her to thank for many of the rights that they have accomplished in the 20th century, like the ability to have equal pay, the ability to have health care for um, e equal benefits, even for females and males when they take care after the children, and many, many, many more. And I think for me, uh, this newfound uh, amazeness with Ruth Beth Ginsburg is that she's been quite consistent in her position for a long while, and that really resonated with younger audiences. So this new civil rights movement, I feel, is beginning, and it, it's very different. It's not like a single thing. It, ha it works on different uh, levels and different on different issues. But I see there's tons of positive energy, which I felt uh, was really kind of uh, the light in the darkness of 2018 for me. Yeah. And then um, poor Ruth had a cancer surgery yes. recently, right? Um, she has to work with the worst people at this point. Like, mm -hmm. I think she's just going to become, grow like 200 years old just because of all of these people <laughs> around her. Just to outlast them and be like, no, no, you're not going to destroy what I created yes. here. No, this is horrible. Um, she, she can, she do, can it. do it. If, if not her, then who? <laughs> She definitely has to last for another two years. Yes, we need that. At the at the very least, otherwise that would be horrible. Mm. Oh, no, I don't want to even think. I don't Supreme want to court think. judges. Want to think. Okay, your turn. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, let's let's talk about this one. They kind of belong together. Um, this was more recently, I guess. There was probably a lot of cool stuff that happened at the beginning of the year that you just don't remember <laughs> because you, you, that just doesn't happen. I, uh, but um, in the in the at the end of the year, 
Apple announced um, their mm-hmm. earnings and Samsung did the same, right? Um, and uh, it kind of became obvious that, um, well, they actually uh, talked to their shareholders and mm-hmm. said, like, please understand, <laughs> we're we're trying to sell phones. It just turns out everybody has yeah. um, And um, that's really interesting, right? Um, because it seems like we successfully saturated the market with uh, smartphones. Mm-hmm. And um, you could already see with Apple, they kind of started fragmenting their portfolios so they can sell more through diversity, um, but also, um, well, through choice, I guess is better. Um, but uh, but they also, but they still really didn't help. And so they cranked up the price yeah, yeah, yeah. To, um, to kind of still stay, uh, stay within their... Um, very comfortable margins that they're mm-hmm. used to uh but but now there's kind of this moment and just it's this is not just an apple story samsung had the same um kind of quarterly report where they said there's really it's really it's coming hard to um sell smartphones mm-hmm. and so um what to me in that letter i kind of skimmed it um seemed uh, really interesting was um on the one hand that um the Tim Cook kind of pointed out that um, they are that Apple is making big impacts in uh, other areas like yes. health, and um, and I thought that was really interesting that there's kind of a moving on yes. from f- trying to find value and just pushing new devices um, into trying to define uh, and probably also finding ways of making money of uh, actually creating kind of sustainable. Uh, human lives with mm-hmm. their devices right um and at the same time in the letter there was also um kind of a uh an acknowledgement that people are starting to fix their phones like they repair mm-hmm. their phones they they replace the batteries um and um and an iphone now and so instead of updating every year they perhaps keep their iphone for two or three years and um and it seemed in that acknowledgement I, I kind of heard a glimpse of hope that um, there's there's a chance that in the future there might even be a business about repairability mm-hmm. in Apple, right? Like actually making things in a way that people can maintain them um, and thus being a much more sustainable yes. business. Um, and I'm excited to see that change actually in the future, um, to see kind of that switch from just pushing out new devices every year to kind of creating an ecosystem of things that actually work um, between generations and are fixable and um, hopefully also something that just kind of is part of our life and doesn't just dictate everything um, because that's that kind of comes with it right when you always want to tr- sell the newest thing you also try to every year come up with something why you mm-hmm. need that new phone right um, and so um, I think now that we're kind of saturated with buying the new devices or at least the new phones, um, I hope that the phones can also kind of go back into the background again and just be a tool and not this kind of attention sucking. I agree. Thing. I feel in 2018, Apple rediscovered Norm Core uh, and, oh, <laughs> and yeah. German lifestyle since 1970s. 
uh, I guess, a European in a larger sense, reusing and keeping things for longer. I, I think they're well positioned to take advantage of this. And I'm a big believer in um, how they're bringing products to market and how they're actually reflecting these cultural trends in their products. They're one of the first companies, like the big companies who do this really well. And I think they're, that they said that they want to produce everything from 100% recycled materials, don't want to go into mining again. And it's just like on the, on the, on the heels of the conversation we had that it takes tons of ore and water and resources to produce an iPhone, um, which I think is really well. And I, I just applaud the movement to services and to usage more. But I think you're also raising an interesting thing. Phones have peaked, uh, which we discussed, I think, like a year and a half ago when we just started this, actually a year ago when we just started this, this podcast because the technological landscape felt very flat at the moment and all of the key emotional drivers, what technology used to be for people, have gone away. Um, and I think only now, surprisingly, they are reacting to it and trying to build an emotional connection and um, something exciting when the products are not the ones that generate that excitement. I also like the, the point of, um, I think in connection to this, I will say the, ne- the most important company for the next decade hasn't been invented yet uh, because I feel that the culture is changing faster than these big companies are catching up. Yeah, for sure. I have time for one more of your points and then I need to go. Cool. Uh, Make it count. count. (laughs) Ooh. I think we'll land on a positive note. Please. That sounds good. It it's the um, it's the return of the nature i'll call this um i think nature for me was a big um positive thing in 2018 the conversations about nature are back in the mainstream the conversations about the environment are back in the mainstream we're actively discussing how to limit our impact and that's a kind of in connection to your plastic straws ban but i feel like we are at the point when we started realizing that we need to act right now the trials on plastic cleanup the trials of the different uh, microbes that eat plastic the trials on limiting consumption washington state here in the u.s tried passing the carbon tax the conversations on about on the paris agreement uh even i'm very positive on the french initiative to kind of starting tax uh kind of oil and gas that is damaging the environment. So despite the despite the protest, I think it's a step in the right direction. It's more how you build affinity towards this with the people who are most affected by it and how you create alternative sources of income or uh, kind of minimize the effects on the policy on them. Uh, I feel nature is back on the, on the mainstream and it's up to us to figure out how we can uh, sustain our survival on this planet and not destroy it. Yeah, yeah, I like that point. On that note, let's end this recording. Huh? Cool. And